if you don't believe what's going on in the world is actually going on in the world right now, then maybe you would do well to read about it coming from the man who is at least partially responsible for orchestrating it. I am a husband, a father, a lawyer, a Christian, and a proud Canadian. I started this series because it was clear that our nation needs truth. Not just another biased narrative, but real information of substance. We need access to facts and the freedom to think for ourselves. I'm Leighton Gray, and this is Gray Matter. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Gray Matter. Well, those of you who love old radio shows will remember a show called The Shadow. The opening of The Shadow went something like this. Who knows what evil lurks in the hearts of evil men? The Shadow knows. Well, our guest today is a little bit like that. Uh, in terms of his broadcasting career, his name is Shadow Davis, and he is really one of the rising stars of alternative media in Canada. Shadow, thanks for being with us today on Grey Matter. Thank you, Leighton, for having me. That's a great introduction. I hadn't really put those two things together before until now. <laughs> Sadly, you're you're probably old enough to remember that show. Not, not I shouldn't say that you remember it actually playing, but to be a fan of radio shows. I know you've spent a lifetime in radio, so you're probably familiar with all that stuff, right? I, I used to use the actual uh, audio from that show that was back in the 30s for a trivia piece that I did on my rock radio show in the 90s. And as you said, you know, who knows what evil lurks in the hearts of men? <laughs> the shadow knows. Wow, you do it much better than I did. So <laughs> thanks for that. Folks, that's what it sounds like when a professional uh, voice actor does it. And speaking of voice actor, how do I describe our guest? Well, I'm going to turn to how he describes himself. And this is really how he describes his voice. Uh, he's an announcer. Arrogant, artistic, authoritative, charismatic, cold, concerned, dangerous, deep, emphatic, friendly, fun, happy, husky, natural, reassuring, sarcastic, scary, sexy, soft, sophisticated, and warm. Is that a fair description of the many moods of uh, Shadow Davis? <laughs> I don't know. Where, where did you get that from? Did I write that? That's off. Yeah, I think that's that's off a page where you're advertising yourself uh, as uh, in your days as a voice actor. See, we do our research on this show, right? You know, <laughs> we go it's deep. interesting that you should say that because when you're going for a voice acting job, they want to know what kinds of voices you can pull off. And, right. you know, you don't want to get typecast is one thing. And I always got typecast as kind of a... Uh, that authoritative news voice right. or smooth, the villain. Smooth baritone. In, yeah. 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 Well, you it's certainly have deep, that. Yeah. Well, it's yeah, the deepness you... of it. It's it's the mm -hmm. resonance of it, I suppose. And, you know, I, I can go back. <laughs> if you want to typecast me playing a villain, I can go back to high school. I, I played the villain in the uh, in the high school musical that we put on when I was in 12th grade, uh, Oklahoma. I played the character. Oh, Judd. yeah. And I'm familiar um, with that production, with that show. And, and, you know, what's funny about that is we did daytime shows for the elementary school kids. And then at night it was for, you know, parents and friends, ticket holders and whatnot. So the daytime shows, the kids, the little kids, the elementary school kids were petrified of me. 
because we did a meet and greet after the show was over and I walked out in full costume and there I say relax kids I'm only acting it's just it's not real <laughs> but my voice well, gonna... didn't make it any better for them well no well uh it makes it better for a lot of your viewers and listeners however especially the topics that you cover on your show we're going to dive into that but before we go there we're going to frame our discussion with a few aphorisms as we always do and these have been selected somewhat in your honor uh the first one is from uh hl Mencken, who wrote that the most dangerous man to any government is the man who is able to think things out for himself almost inevitably he comes to the conclusion that the government he lives under is dishonest insane and intolerable next from uh, uh a famous uh rock star we know your love of music and uh I remember being on your show and hearing that wonderful guitar uh, from Ted Nugent, who said that the government is so out of control, it is so bloated and infested with fraud and deceit and corruption and abuse of power. Next, from Robert Heinlein, who said, love your country, but never trust its government. And finally, from the New Testament, James chapter 1, verse 17, every good and perfect gift is from above. So where I'd like to start with you, if you don't mind, Shadow, is uh, in doing my research, I saw that about seven years ago, uh, you were the new star on uh, 680 CJOB radio in Winnipeg. In fact, the, the piece I, I saw said uh, that they were placing all their bets on veteran broadcaster Shadow Davis as part of the station's all-new radio lineup. But then within a year, you were gone. So what happened there? Well, it wasn't, well, maybe it was a year. It's tough to remember because that, that time went by so quickly. Um, you know, it's, it's interesting. There's always internal politicking, I think, in every business, in every job that you're going to have in your life. There's always going to be the guy who wants to get ahead. And then there's going to be the guy who wants things to be right. And then there's, you know, the person who just wants to stand in the background and let everybody else fight over it and they'll pick up whatever, whatever is left behind. Um, the way it worked with me at CJOB, which is a chorus property, chorus entertainment, there was, a, there was just so much going on late in there. It's very difficult to remember everything, but the inter interim boss was a TV guy who had worked his way up through the ranks uh, to become the operations manager of Global News Winnipeg. He was a cameraman, basically, who would, you know, one of those guys who just kind of waited for his opportunity and uh, won the job by default, I think. Bit of a brown noser, too. Um, <laughs> and he had he had no idea what radio was. And over the course of that year that you'd mentioned, our relationship went from tenuous to outright um, combative in almost everything that happened. Mm -hmm. But there was something I said about halfway in to that relationship, not just with him, but with all of the management people there and the staffs there. Uh, the staff being the newsroom staff. And he he took me aside and he said, Shadow, these right-wing views of yours, you know, they're just going to get you in so much trouble. Mm -hmm. 
Now this was well, you, 2017 ish, I'm going to say. Right. And basically, my whole right wing philosophy at that time was wanting the government to balance the budget so we could bring down taxes. And wow, that's pretty controversial. The, yeah, and <laughs> and the LGB movement. I don't think it had acquired TQ yet was in its infancy. And I remember having a representative from each one of that group. So we had a lesbian, we had bisexual, we had a gay guy, we had a transsexual, uh, all in the studio at once. And they were arguing for an entire yeah, they don't get along, minutes. do they? Yeah. No, they don't. They don't get along. They do not see things eye to eye. They couldn't agree on what colors the flag should be even. And I, I just sat back and laughed at the <laughs> arguing. Kind of um, explains the flag. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. It's just a mishmash of crap. So anyway, um, that was the extent of my right wing view. Mm -hmm. And as as time went on, the staff, the younger staff, started to align against me, which I thought was mm -hmm. very interesting. We had a uh, producer a morning show producer on the show who was in charge of gathering content and then bringing it to me the morning of at about 4 a.m. We would sit down and we would go over what the content of that morning show was going to be. And I said, yes, this, no, that, yes, this. Well, well, the manager wants this on absolutely the fentanyl uh, deaths. And I said, in a morning show, you want to be talking about that? Are you kidding me? Like what exact, there was never any philosophy about what that morning show was supposed to be. Was it supposed to be hard news? Was it supposed to be a mixture of hard news, personality, some comedy, some lifestyle? N nobody ever really defined that to me. So I just kind of went off on my own. And I said, you know, I don't really want, it's Friday morning, I don't want to talk about um, fentanyl deaths right now. I mean, mm -hmm. it's, you know what, we're gonna have that in the morning top and bottom newscasts. We don't need to go into the great detail of that. So let's strike that. And we replaced it with something else that was about to be controversial, but I didn't know it at the time. There was a bunch of people who were discussing the fact that there seems to be a lot of uh, ethnic uh, employees working for the government of Manitoba. Mm. Frontline staff, especially. I mean, if you walked into a casino, if you walked into a liquor store, which are all publicly run here, uh, if you walk into a Manitoba public insurance, anything run by the government, you would get somebody who was clearly not born in Canada. Again, I right. have no problem with that, but I was thinking, well, you know, if we're doing this according to what the population distribution is, then maybe we should have some white people in here too. And maybe <laughs> we should have some indigenous people in here and maybe we should have, you know, everybody. Right. Right. And so I said that to my producer and she looked at me with this horrified expression on her face and she said shadow you can't be you cannot be racist against white people uh, and i said yes what do you mean she goes well you just can't it's impossible i said racism is racism i don't care what color you're talking about here that's what it is and she yeah. walked away from that conversation with me now, remember, she was the morning show producer and she had a lot of say so in mm -hmm. the newsroom amongst the younger staff there. And 
things were never quite the same between us after that. Now, I later figured out that this was my introduction to critical race theory. She had already mm -hmm. been indoctrinated. I'm supposing it was in yeah. journalism school or at some point earlier yeah. on in her life. And so that's the worldview that she took into the newsroom. And yeah. that's, I'm not sure if you caught my ex post regarding what's happened to the media in the past yeah. five or six years, but yeah. that is a part of it. That's one of the three things that have happened in, in my opinion. Um, these young people just do not see anything but what they've been told to see and you can't yeah. argue with them. And when you do bring up a valid point, they just, yes. you can see them short circuit. I feel like I'm being yeah. trapped. You're putting me into a trap. <laughs> no, no, I'm asking you a question. That's all I'm doing. Right. And so, you know, increasingly we see a lot of that kind of behavior anyway. Um, so at that point, things really shifted within the newsroom. And there was one guy, longtime guy who had been there, uh, who was kind of, you know, taking my side and things and hanging out with me a little bit. And it got to the point where I looked over at him and I said, dude, speaking from a point of self-preservation, if I'm <laughs> you, I'm not hanging out with me. Don't even come within 10, 20 feet of me in the hallways <laughs> because you're going to be guilty by association. Don't do it. It's, it was you bad. became the lightning rod there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. it was, it was so bad. And nothing was ever spoken about it is the thing. That's how insidious it was. Um, yeah. you know, people would avoid me in the hallways and the boss would call me into the office for a meeting. He was outraged to call me up oh, for a meeting tomorrow. Now, this was another thing. Um, Fridays people generally took off right after their shows were over, right? My show was over at 10 o'clock. I was going to take off at 1030 after doing some things. I want you in there for a meeting at noon. Really? I've been here since 3.30. But okay, that's fine. Sure, I'll hang around for a meeting. Well, the guy never showed. <laughs> I, I, I gave him a half hour, 45 minutes. He never showed up. And then I asked him about it the next week. And he goes, I, I don't even know what you're talking about with a meeting. Mm. Okay. So then it came clear to me that this was the very beginnings of a uh what do you call those things when they're trying to fire you constructive dismissal is what constructive it was. dismissal yeah but you it's very yeah. difficult to prove so at that point i spoke to my lawyer he said make sure you save every email record every <laughs> conversation blah 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 good advice good advice yeah. right so I said to my girlfriend at the time, I said, things are really bad at work. I have to go to the doctor. To her credit, she was very supportive at this time. And I thought it was great. Um, so a couple of hours later, we got into my truck and we just went for a drive. I said, you know what? I'm, I'm starting a podcast. I'm starting a podcast. This is, this is wonderful. This is the origin story. And so ironic, Shadow, that you were accused of bullying. When, when yeah. actually you, you were yourself, even though you didn't deal with it as a victim, you endured the bullying of the left uh, through, throughout all of that. And that that's the origin story. This is brilliant. I guess I was going to ask you about the origin story of the podcast you just told us. But well, you know, it's not, quite, it's not quite there yet. Give me okay. two more minutes. Sure, sure. Wrap yeah, it up. yeah go I'll wrap it, it up. Sorry. And we'll, we'll, get, we'll get to that because it's it, very interesting. Um, I went to the doctor. And of course I had no appointment 
I just walked into my doctor's office and the, the waiting room was full of people. Like there's like 30 people and they're all jammed in there in these seats, you know, and I, I walked up to the girl behind the counter and I said, I have to see him. And she goes, well, he's just not available. I said, I have to see him. Okay. Okay. <laughs> he comes out of his room and he goes, come here, Mr. Radio man. Come here, come here. Come, you, you come in and you see me. He's like, an 80 year old guy and one of the coolest guys i ever met um what seems to be the problem with you and i said i'm losing my mind um i told him the exact story that i told you i said i can't function in this environment it's killing me like internally i feel like i'm about to fall apart i have never been in a situation like this before ever he said, you need 30 days away from all of that, at least on a stress leave. And I went, stress leave? Yeah. Now, to me in the past, anytime I had heard the expression stress leave, I would kind of like. Roll your eyes. You know, yeah. Put my nose up, roll my eyes a little bit. And mm -hmm. go, yeah, yeah. You're, you're just trying to get off work. I get it. But in this case, I went, I have to have this. So. Mm. um. I called up the, the manager and I said, yeah, my doctor just qualified me for 30 days of stress leave. I'm not going to be in. You're my teacher. And he knew better because he knew the rules. He stifled his outrage and said, that's fine then. Bring in the paperwork and I'll see you in 30 days. Now, when I got back from my stress leave, you're supposed to come back to the same job, right? Well, they, they had worked it so that I was a contributor on my own show, which was even worse. <laughs> they had these two guys doing my show, even though I was in the building and fully capable of doing it, they still called it the Shadow Davis Show. And I got <laughs> to do, I got to do guest segments once an hour on subjects that they told me I had to talk about. And oh. they were to be recorded. So I was in this little studio by myself every morning for four hours, putting these ridiculous little two-minute pieces together. And finally, three months after that, they just fired me outright. They said, that's it. That's all. Uh, yeah. So the 12-month out was still in play. Right after that, I decided I was going to do the podcast. Right. And um, I had a non-compete in my contract. But the non-compete had to do with other radio stations in the same broadcast area. It had nothing to do with podcasts. There was no mention of podcast at all in mm -hmm. any of the language of the agreement. So I started to do my podcast. And within two days, I received a cease and desist letter from Chorus Entertainment's lawyer out of Toronto. <laughs> if you continue on with this podcast, we will cease and desist all further payments. Uh, on your contract deal, and uh, we will take you to court. I said, there's no mention of podcast. So I had to go to my lawyer again and and say, what do you think about this? He goes, well, they're wrong. And I said, yeah, so what can we do about it? He goes, do you want to go to court with these guys? Because they got the purse string still. They're not going to pay you. Can, are you going to have something to live on? So this is how they got me. Yeah, it's the hammer. big company yeah. versus little guy. You couldn't right. fight them. 
And boy, has that become a, an, an issue in our society in these last few you years. You know it, brother. You know But it. Uh, anyway, long story short, I had to wait for a year. My lawyer said, my best recommendation to you, just don't do the thing. Wait for a year. Go travel. Do some things. Come back. Get it going again and save some money. And I said, yeah, okay, good idea. So oh, wow. that puts us That's to... That's how it came about. Yeah. So that puts us about yeah. 2019, I think, maybe yeah. the summer of 2019. Yeah. And yeah. I want to dive I, into the show. I want to dive into the show more. Before okay. we go there, just to kind of set it up, now we've sort of heard the historical story of how you, uh, you know, came up with, with uh, Shadow by Night. But uh, I have a clear impression that rock music is a big part of who you are big part of your mojo and and actually it's part of your show anybody who's who's taken in your show they hear these uh, wonderful incredible guitar riffs so tell me about that a little bit what 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 is your fascination or your your love of rock music and how does that tie into the show well you know what it's funny because um i've always thought that rock radio much like country radio or i did this for 35 years rock radio it's as much of a lifestyle as anything it permeates the way you think the way you speak the way you walk everything right it's mm -hmm. it's mm -hmm. a certain level of coolness maybe i don't really know any other way to explain it <laughs> this is not that i think i'm the coolest person on earth it just it's it's a it's an attitude Right? Sure, rock is cool. I mean, there's no doubt about it. Well, it used to be. Um, so my <laughs> whole thing was fusing that with talk, uh, and still is right. And but it's not hmm. a conscious effort, Leighton. I don't actually try to fuse these two things together. I just go about my natural routine, which brings me to what you just described. It's it's this fusion and i do believe that rock and talk go hand in hand um they do on your show that's for sure <laughs> no yeah, question you know you know but i don't spend a lot of time talking about rock and no rock. it's 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 imbued in you like you get a sense of it like the music is part even the way you talk has a musical quality to it and i don't think you realize or maybe maybe you tried to do it in the beginning and you perfected that and that's part of who you are but even the way you talk has a kind of a musical quality to it. Uh, you, maybe you, you don't mean? realize that, but I think, I think everyone who listens to your show um, has a sense of if just it's in your voice and in the way that you talk, uh, it has, it's hard to describe. It's somewhat ineffable, right? It's hard to, inscrutable. It's hard to put your finger on it, but, um, and I don't want to, <laughs> I don't want to compare this, but I mean, you remember, you remember Dick Clark or someone like a Casey Kasem? Oh, sure. You know what yeah. I mean? It wasn't an accident that they were hosting musical shows. There was some right. musical quality to their shows. And I, this is probably true of all the great rock DJs. Think of like a Wolfman Jack or somebody like that. You know, they weren't outside of the music. They were part of the music. You know what I'm saying? So you almost can't separate them. And so yeah. when, when I listen to you, I listen to your show. I listen to your show often, uh, especially when I'm not on it. <laughs> but... Uh, that's what I hear. It has that quality of a rock, of a rock music uh, show. Does that make sense to you, or is it something? It does you're actually, to you know, 
Yeah. Rock has his well was historically up until these last three years when guys like Gene Simmons and Howard Stern started coming out yeah. and calling the unvaccinated idiots and they should be jailed and locked away uh without a key. Rock has always been against establishment, right? Right. It's always been yeah. that counterculture. Yeah. That's what gave it its coolness. I'm not going to go into the drugs aspect of it and all the other things that people no, think. But even going back to like Elvis and the Ed Sullivan show, right? Yeah, sure. Yeah. So yeah. Beatles, um, you sure. know, yeah. to me, these people were imbued with creativity and free thoughts. Yeah. They write about it, you know, yeah. um, the Bob Dylan's of the world, the John Lennon's of right. the world. You know, these, right. these rock and roll guys, they write you too. Not that I agree with what you too says, but they yeah. write about the things that they believe in or historical mm -hmm. things that happened in their home country. And, and I thought, wow, you know, there is a lot more to rock music than there is to pop music in terms of substance, not just musically, but lyrically also. Right. Um, and so yeah you know i find that an interesting observation you make because i don't try to do it intentionally it's not something that i go hey yeah i'm I'm gonna do that it's just who i am and you know one of the one of the guys before we started was talking about this background that i have here um yeah this to me is a soothing kind of a yeah, background it's, yeah it's part of it but it yeah. says rock and roll. I don't know that I could ever sit in front of a screen with a desk in front of me. And, uh, you know, you hear that, that old school, doo -doo 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 -doo, and now the new. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm not that guy, right? So my, my not Walter Cronkite, yeah. No, no, I'm, I'm a hybrid. And people have asked me, who can I best compare you to in today's, um long form broadcast format and i go well that's a good question because you know i do a live show it's every night eight o'clock central yeah. it's not recorded it's not segments that are 15 minutes long uh it is covering the day's events or if i have a guest on that night we'll talk about what's going on in their world and and then our world by extension um i it's a long form live show. And so maybe the best comparison I can give would be something like a uh, Joe Rogan. Yeah. Yeah. I'm inquisitive naturally yeah. also. Yeah. You mm -hmm. know, I want to know why, and if I don't know why I need to know it becomes, it becomes almost an obsession, which is mm -hmm. interesting. Mm -hmm. Um, and then I want to take it to the next level. Okay, but and why? You're irreverent. You're you're irreverent, and that's that's something you couldn't be in your former job. But now you make a point of not for the, and I'm not saying for the sake of it, but you're irreverent in the pursuit of, of truth. Right? You have no no time for fools. And even this got you into into an interesting conversation I saw with uh, someone who's a pop a giant, uh, uh, Pink. This is going back a couple of years. That, you? you want to tell us about your big dispute with, with, with Pink on Twitter? Yeah. Well, I, I wouldn't say it was much of a dispute. It was she. <laughs> she was carrying, I, I think, five million 
uh, followers. And at that time I may have had a thousand. So it yeah. wasn't like it was a fair fight, but it was, it had to do with the fires, I think in California. Yeah. Yeah. And were they trying to blame Trump for that? It was, there was some kind of yeah. a, and and yeah. it was basically like they hadn't cut the underbrush in that county for over 25 or 30 years. And so mm -hmm. what do you think is going to happen? You know, if somebody yeah. throws a cigarette butt into that, it's going to burst into flames. I mean, it is it is ready for a fire and everything around it was ready to burn. It was dry. The conditions were dry. They were, oh, climate change is what they were trying to. And I said, it's not climate change. It's the fact that they haven't taken care of these areas for mm -hmm. 25 or 30 years now. If they had come and done what they were supposed to do instead of cutting the budget for it and replacing it with DEI education and CRT education right. in public schools, maybe they would have had the money for this, but they didn't. That's why it happened, mm -hmm. right? That's basically yeah. what I said. And then Pink latched onto that and she called me a name i think it got all all over reddit too i forget exactly what what it was i didn't want to get into a uh, a dispute she, with she pink. called you a she called you a blankety blank the second Did part you? was idiot the first one started with f let's say farting she <laughs> you know when these celebrities speak out there are very few of them that actually know what they're talking about in my opinion that's so true yeah and yeah. you know the other thing is that they've got such influence that people believe oh, yeah. them. And I, I, I think, especially that now. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's like, if you're, if she's carrying that many followers and she's, you know, talking about the evils of climate change or Donald Trump or whoever it happens to be, you try and counter that narrative with actual facts, forget about it. And yeah. that's the way it's been going uh, for quite some time. Although I do believe now that that pendulum is starting to slowly swing back. And I think it, that we're starting yeah, to I get so more more and more people who are actually waking did, did up did you hear about the latest thing that that pink did she no. was she was touring in florida of course the, she's uh they're, they're all worried about uh, desantis who's a republican candidate for the presidential election down there as you know and um but she uh she was touring in in florida and uh, she was giving out books free books at her concerts that were supposedly banned but these books uh firstly there are no book ban <laughs> bans in florida They'd simply passed a law concerning certain books that were sexually graphic in schools. And, uh, and so some of the books she was giving out were like uh, Catcher in the Rye and th things like that. Uh, so unfortunately, she hasn't really uh, become uh, more aware than she was back then when she was sparring with you on, uh, on Twitter. But hey, then I want to talk about COVID. So COVID comes along. Yeah. Yeah. And you become very involved in the uh in the freedom movement in fact uh i saw a video of you on youtube uh from the world freedom rally you were interviewed there this is back in july of 2021 so your show you started before covid or, or around the same time and then you sort of covered that uh, uh, that sort of the pandemic throughout uh on on the show or how did that come about timing wise good question i sometimes have a rough time remembering but so the the, the actual pandemic started what march of 2020 right and um i went oh great because i was thinking at that time maybe i would get myself back into radio someplace i mean wherever oh, yeah. it happened to be i've worked all across the country i worked in ontario alberta manitoba bc so i thought ah wherever it doesn't matter where i go 
and now there's a pandemic so we can't go anywhere we can't do anything we can't and and even that made me go wait a minute wait a minute my first trip to the grocery store after this declaration where people are lined up all around the store and not not any of them wearing masks yet there was no mask wearing but there was this social distance thing because of the marks on the floor and i started laughing right. laughing right in the middle of the store like you people are all idiots what are you doing i wasn't going to wait for two hours in a grocery store lineup that went all the way back you know how those superstores are this, i mean this is when they were buying up toilet paper like crazy yeah. there was that going on too so i just thought no I'm, i'll come back another time or maybe later on tonight when there's not a bunch of morons in here so i went through a period of depression and then in october of that year and my money was running down and then in october of that year i got this this phone call from a friend of mine halloween was coming up and i i've got a story that i tell occasionally about a haunting that i experienced in a home i lived in here in winnipeg back in 1990. Really? yeah hmm. and she knew that i was having a bit of a, a hard time when you've got somebody like me who hasn't been able to do what he does over the period of time it's almost like putting a cork in a bottle and not letting anything out and then you've got external gases going into it eventually it's going to explode unless that cork comes out right and i had no outlet at all for what i do you can take two or three week breaks from it, but after a while, the juices start to flow again and you want to be able to get on and talk to people again because that is what I do. So um, she goes, why don't you just go on one night to Facebook and tell the story? And I went, nah, I don't think so. I was wearing this old sweatshirt and I hadn't showered in a couple of days and my hair was all over the place. But I start started thinking, a lot about what she said halloween came and went and then in the beginning of november i thought i'm just going to come on and people are locked down too right so they've got nothing really i mean i'm sure they watched all of netflix by this point they had nothing left to watch there was no hockey or anything it was just sit there shut up and be a good little stooge <laughs> so i thought what if i just go and do a an interactive kind of a thing and i hadn't really thought of it as a show yet it was just you can go back and see it there's still some very early episodes on my facebook page that i'm, I'm sitting in sweatpants in front of a camera just talking i had not created any of this at all yet um and then over the course of a couple or three months i took it to another level and I saw the injustices. That's right around the time this vaccine started coming out. And finally, one day, because I was just doing a lot of piecemeal stuff. It wasn't like I was really going hard on any of this. And then one day I said to myself, you're being a coward and you're not saying it like you feel it. And you're holding back and you've got nobody to answer to not anymore you've given yourself that opportunity now where you're not going to have to go and sit in some manager's office the next day and be you know browbeaten over what you said because of your right-wing views this was just me 
And I went on and I said, this is nothing but a big scam. And if you take that, that juice, you are not smart. Um, you know, I had 40 live viewers, 40 at that point. And the second that I started saying that stuff, and this was before any of the censorship occurred as well on Facebook or YouTube, my viewership the next night went up to 100 live people. And wow. then my video started cracking through the thousand mark on a regular basis. And my, my page likes went from 2,000 to 3,000, finally got to 10,000 two months later. And, and it just started to take off. People wanted to hear things. The reason that I said that about the vaccine was because I had done research on mm -hmm. what is the fastest vaccine that was ever created, ever. And that was for the mumps, and that was in the 1960s, and that took five years to come to market. And even then, yeah. people had questions about it back then. I'm not giving that to my kid. It hasn't been through the proper testing. Five years. Mm -hmm. This stuff, 10 months, eight months, yeah. they already had the infrastructure. They could deliver it to the world. Billions of shots. Are you kidding me right now? So those are the things that I said on the show. And it took off or started mm -hmm. to take off. And then Facebook started censoring. And I got several slaps from Facebook. And I went, here we go again. Same with YouTube. That's why I don't really have much of a YouTube channel, because every right. time I go on there, they they take me down, right? And I have to wait sure. in the penalty box for a month. And then there's no point. So I thought, all right, you've got to take these people now and you've got to diversify them across platforms. But X at that time, which was Twitter, was also censoring. And, Very heavily at that time. Yeah. Yes. And, and so I went, well, where? And Rumble was the only other place. And so I created a Rumble account and I started trying to shunt people from Facebook to Rumble. Go watch me on Rumble if you guys want to see something uncensored. Um, because that's the really the only platform. That and BitChute and a couple of other lesser platforms that nobody really ever visits. I mean, BitChute doesn't even have an app. They won't let them have an app. Because they're, they're classified as this far right-wing extremist uh, video platform, which is ridiculous. Right. It's conspiracy theories. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and there's a lot of things. But let me ask you a question, Layton. If I sure. if I say something like, I don't believe this vaccine works, and I, matter of fact, I think it's dangerous. How is that a threat to our democracy or to anybody else? It depends on how you define democracy. The way that the left defines democracy is everything that maintains their power structure. When you say the word democracy, you're talking about what you understand to be democracy, that is uh, rule by the majority with respect for minority rights, resembling something like uh, you know, classical liberalism. That's not what they mean when they use that word. Right. It, is, so, it is a threat to, work, to what, the way they define democracy. It is a threat to say what you just said. So everything that they do, everything they say is the actual threat. Yes. Right. And yes. we're the ones who are trying to call them out. And somehow we're being painted as the threats. And that's classic gaslighting, which is what narcissists yep. do. Um, yep. that's so that's what are, we've been. That's what we've been fighting for for so long. 
Um, yeah. And so and as the show it, does it, a great job of it. Thank you. And as as it sits right now, and the show is also very interactive. I try to make it as interactive as yeah. I possibly can for people. Yeah. I mean, you know, one thing yeah. that people need. That's why I've I've maintained it live. I've got several people who have asked me over time, why don't you just record some episodes and give yourself some nights off? And I say, well, no, I, I, that's the whole point of this is live. Yeah. People need to know that I'm there with them. Yeah. Right. You know, out of, let's say I just take one particular episode of my show that gets 12,000 views. I know that 2,000 or maybe 3,000 of those people were watching it live on whichever platform they chose to watch it. Right. And for them, they can interact with that community, right? Mm -hmm. They've made mm -hmm. friends on that show for the last three years. They have, no matter where they live, uh, if, if they live in Red Deer, they've made friends with somebody who lives in Kenora, Ontario, or Antigonish, uh, you know, in Nova Scotia. They've made friends with somebody who lives in uh, Butte, Pilot Butte, Saskatchewan. Yeah. That's the power of, of what this has been able to do for people. And many of these people have needed it, Leighton, because mm -hmm. they were abandoned by their support groups all through COVID because they made a personal decision and yeah. they, they chose to speak out about it. Um, mm -hmm. and they were left mm -hmm. just left, you know, and we're talking in some cases about grandfathers, grandmothers who were abandoned by their children and their grandchildren because they said they asked a valid question and they chose to stick to their guns regarding the decision they made no matter how much pressure was imposed on them. Um, and they need a place to come. Yeah. And so they come to my show every weeknight at eight o'clock and they see the people that they've known for three years, even though they've never met them physically, they see them, they can speak with them. And it's funny, you know, I don't often, sometimes I do, but I don't often go into the comments while I'm on the air because I'm doing a show, right? I've right. got all the content that I've worked on all day and I, I want to make sure I get this content out because I believe that's another important tenet of the show is getting the people in that middle group to understand that these things that are going on right now are not accidental, right? And right. they know there's something the matter, but they don't know exactly what. So I try to give them that as best I can, almost like spoon feeding a toddler sometimes. But um <laughs> Uh, with, with those people, when I go into those comments, I'll go in after the show and there's a thousand comments on the Facebook, uh, version of it. Uh, I, I'm not even sure how many are on the rumble or the X, but I'll go through them and they're not talking about what I'm talking about. They're talking to each other about other things. They're right. talking about recipes. They're talking mm -hmm. about maybe trying to reconnect with certain family members, what their plans are for Christmas. They mm -hmm. bought a new car. It's used, but it's new to them, right? That those are the kinds of right. conversations that are going on. They're talking about Christianity. They're talking about Jesus. They're talking about church and what their church is like versus the church you go to. Um, right. And it's heartwarming to see that. And then the messages mm -hmm. that I get um, from people, 
just thanking me for doing that. Look, at this is not something that I'm doing for anybody but myself. At least that's how I started out. And I know that sounds selfish, but this is something that I needed to do to get that creative energy that I have out. That's why I started it. Now it's like I'm, I've been tapped. You know, somebody told me months ago, you're doing God's work. I never thought of it like that, but maybe mm -hmm. I am. Maybe you are too. Maybe those of us. I think you are. I think you are, Shadow. So, Shadow, we, you were talking about how people who had gone through and experienced the pandemic had sort of lost their human connections, but are starting to find them again, and how uh, the work that you're doing on your show is sort of helping them to find each other in that way. So, uh, where do you see this leading? Are we are we going? Are we on our way to somewhere where we're restoring some of the, let's say, sanity? Uh, and humanity to to Canadian life. Uh, do you are you optimistic about the future about what's happening right now? Absolutely, I am. I I think that during the peak of the pandemic response, we had probably ten percent of people, maybe fifteen percent, people like us, people who did not believe that this was real, that we had to get vaccinated, that any of this was anything more than some kind of a government or cabal construct. We had 15% of people who were absolutely adamant that you had to do this. These are the ones that I used to call the branch Covidians. Uh, they, <laughs> they, they were constantly berating you. You know, you'd see the videos of these people uh, bullying those who refused to wear masks in shoppers, drug mart or Safeway or, or whatever. Um, and then there was that middle the middle ground of about 70%. Now, I know there's many people who've got the same kind of philosophy. I think that the middle ground has shrunk. I think that our side of the equation has grown immensely. I don't know exactly what number it would be at now. I'm going to say 35%, maybe even 40%. There's at least 100,000 people who don't want Trudeau to be our prime minister anymore. 175,000, actually. That, yeah, it's, well, there it's you go. Thanks. Yeah. So, the, and that thing I can, I mean, it's got three more weeks. It's going to get to 500,000, maybe higher, but, um, our number has grown. The middle number has shrunk and maybe the branch Covidians now they're branch climb Vidians or whatever. I mean, like they're on to the next <laughs> thing. They, they're the yeah. ones who supported Ukraine and now they're ones that are supporting Hamas and right. Right. So you yeah. can't talk to them. They're, they're lost forever. Those people. And they're, they've been empowered by these Marxist governments and corporations over the past couple of years. So you're never going to be able to, to get them. I think what we need to do is activate that soft middle now. And that means having difficult conversations. People who are with us now, they understand there are people waking up all the time, but they just don't know how to go about it, Leighton. They don't know right. how to initiate that difficult conversation. Um, mm -hmm. And Many times they will allow their emotions to get the better of them in a conversation like that. And I've got a way to, to get through all that stuff. And it's pretty easy, really. All you need to do is ask them a question uh, about what, anything, whatever right. question is going sure. on in the world right now. Like, do you believe a man can be a woman or a woman can be a man? Um, uh, no. I don't. So mm. 
why are you sitting by watching all of this happen? Oh, man, you know, it's just one of those things. And so you almost have to imagine that conversation all the way down to the end and just keep asking them, asking them, asking them. And then the hope is that they're going to go down the rabbit hole themselves. I've got a whole plan I could talk to you about. Uh, It's in six or seven different phases. I haven't worked out the whole thing yet. It's going to (laughs) be on my website in the next couple of weeks. But there is a whole plan how people can reach out and have successful, difficult conversations with these folks who refuse to get off the couch and do anything about it. But once Mm -hmm. they do, Leighton, once they see that all of the things going on in the world right now are actually interconnected, they will. They have to. And I think the first thing they need to do is get rid of their cable TV package. Yeah. Stop watching the the left-wing, hardcore, Marxist corporate media and start paying attention to at the very least both sides of the story yeah but you know sometimes uh sometimes what uh it's an old saying sometimes what we think is happening to us is happening for us yeah and i i share that sometimes a lot of times i i'm going down a particular road and i don't understand where i'm going there and that's where sort of faith comes in i have to trust that somebody else sort of uh has their eyes on this thing and then at some point sort of the seas sort of part and and then i see oh that's why i was that's why i I went down this road i thought i was going down a rabbit hole but actually i was actually walking towards the light at the end of the cave and i I think that's the kind of work that your show is doing uh would you agree with that at least in its best light yeah well you know there's going to be good nights and there's going to be bad nights and there's going to be some moments in between but so many amazing things have happened for me over these mm-hmm. past three years. Um, and that's what I like to say as well. You know, I, I, I don't think anything happens to you. You right. can accept it or you, you can choose to reject it and look for something better. Mm-hmm. But back in the springtime, I met this young lady. I was sitting in a restaurant across the street from where I live with Wayne Peters actually from what's up Canada. And we were just having a chit chat about something or other. And this young lady, eight years old comes into the restaurant to pick up a, uh, an order with her dad. And she's standing in the doorway of the restaurant or the reception area, the lobby. And she's staring at me with this big, huge smile on her face. And I, I thought, what is this now? I I know it's something. I don't know. Maybe she's a friend of my goddaughter. I I, I didn't know. And so she comes running up and her dad comes running behind her. And she goes, Shadow Davis, I love you so much. And I went, oh, (laughs) well, hello. What's your name? And she goes, I'm Madison. And then her dad proceeds to make apologies. And I said, don't make any apologies, man. Like this, you got a cute daughter here and I'm more than happy to meet her like it's great well can i get a picture of the two of you and i said sure of course so she came up in my lap and we took this picture and and that was it and then two months after that the national citizens inquiry was here in winnipeg and i hadn't been it was wednesday thursday friday and i hadn't been yet people were giving me a hard time on email shadow you got to go to the nci what's the matter you're not being very supportive i said all right all right so 
So I went down to the NCI and um, somebody was giving a testimony. One of the things that happens, um, especially in the freedom circles, is that faces like mine tend to be recognized a little bit, right? So you right. walk into a situation yeah. like that, there's two or 300 people sitting there watching this testimony and they all turned and looked at me like, I'm just standing in the back trying to not cause any problems <laughs> for the mm -hmm. commissioners. And uh, they decided they were going to take a lunch break and come back. And then Ken Drysdale and I started talking a little bit. Uh, he's one of the commissioners of the NCI. Yeah, I know him well. He's been on our show, a great guy. Great guy. And so um, as that conversation's happening and we're surrounded by people, mind you, they, who haven't gotten up from their seats yet, I'm going to say 25 or 30 of them, and they're kind of listening in on the conversation that Ken and I are having. And I didn't mind that because it, it's not like we're talking about any great secrets or anything. We're just having a discussion. Uh, Madison, the, the little girl comes running up to me again. She was there that day and she grabbed my leg and hug, she's hugging my leg. And, and I said, hi, Madison, how are you? And once again, her dad comes running up behind her and says, don't worry about it. I'm sorry. I mean, like I, I, I can't even tell you. I said, don't worry about it. She looks up at me with this massive smile on her face. And there's something about this kid that you just can't, I don't know what it is, but she looks up at me and she says, are you coming to my baptism? And I said, <laughs> uh, now I'm being put on the spot by this eight-year-old in front of all of these people. And they're staring at me. Like, if you say no, you are the biggest ass on the planet, <laughs> right? So yeah. I looked down and, and her dad saying, you don't have to say anything right now. And I said, of course, I'll come, Madison. Yay! She's all happy. And her dad said, well, I guess we should, I should tell you where it is and when it is. And I said, absolutely. So we exchanged particulars and it was three weeks from that uh weekend that was coming up was it at springs church is that it was at springs yeah. yeah and um leon had just passed away months before um i hadn't been to springs and so what i was expecting was this solemn sort of you know churchy kind of stained glass sort of chanting thing because I had not been to church and I got there and I walked through the doors and it was a party at 10 o'clock in the morning on a Sunday. And it was filled with such community and mm. such energy and love. I was immediately and totally captivated by all of it. And then Madison, in her little baptism outfit because they dunk you right in right in the pool there at springs it's not just one of those sponges yeah, on your yeah. forehead it's the whole thing um yeah. and then timothy and the family they said well come and sit in the front row and i said all right so the service comes around i'm sitting in the front row this amazing band comes on and starts singing and there's lights and big screens and energy and people are dancing and i went why have I not been here? <laughs> Your kind of church. Yeah. And, and then I just thought, I'm coming back. And 
then I saw Madison after we had some cake and I got her a big cookie. And, and um, that's when I realized that I need more of this in my life. I need this in my life. And so I kept going back and back and back. Now, I haven't been in a couple of weeks. I'm going to be completely honest right now. But I do plan to go this coming weekend. Um, it's a long way. It's way out on the you, east side of town. You, you were baptized yourself, though, recently, right? I was, yeah. And, and that is what sparked everything for me. It was a change uh-huh. in everything. And so as I, you know, over the last three years, I got approached by many people. Some people hate my guts. There was one guy I was walking past in a park, and he turned and he looked at me and he said, you're the devil. You're an, an evil. Oh, wow. And um, you're killing people. That was what he said and right. i just went this guy's crazy he's off off his rocker um but so many people i've met i'm praying for you they would say yeah. Yeah. and i would go okay thanks but i wouldn't know what that meant you know i was like okay well oh that's great I, i'm happy to hear that that you're thinking of me like that but it was more than that and then other people you're doing god's work i would say thank you Again, not knowing what they meant by that until this whole story unraveled just this year. Mm-hmm. And um, once I had seen the energy and the love and Jesus in Springs, I went, I'm coming back. I'm coming back. I'm coming back again. And then I want to get, ba- I want to get baptized myself. And so mm-hmm. I signed up for it in July. I got baptized in September and uh yeah it's it's been an amazing you know it's been an amazing experience for me and and only now am i just starting to understand everything you know i'm not one for quoting scripture because i haven't read it enough you know i'm talking about the bible obviously but i am getting through it my friend heather she got me this i was in calgary for uh canadians for truth event i think it was in april or may and and she got i got a present for you and it was a big heavy box i said what is this and she goes open it i said all right so i opened it it was a bible (laughs) i went okay thank you um at that time i hadn't yet been baptized but i had been uh affected very strongly by madison and and the entire community at that church and by jesus and so i've been going through that very slowly and learning all about what it is and Mm -hmm. maybe one day i can be the guy like you layton who can go ahead and and reel off scripture when it matters in certain situations um but i'm not at that point yet but i'm looking uh, forward it'll get in your your heart it'll get in your heart it'll get in your mind and uh uh you know it's it's the truth you've been searching for the truth and trying and talking about the truth all your life shadow so this is just you're just coming home as a christian and uh what an amazing story you've told and uh what an amazing hour we've had with you so grateful for it uh getting to know you better of course the show is the shadow davis show shadow by night those of you who haven't seen it yet you really must take it in it's brilliant it's just a great show he talks about just about everything that you're interested in that's happened to us in Canada. Um, and uh, so take that in. We're at the part of the show, uh, Shadow, where we have something called a reading list. So if you have a couple of books or one that's really touched you or that you're interested in or you think would 
um, that you would recommend to people. Maybe think about that for a minute. I'm going to give you the last word. But the two books that we're going to add to our reading list today are along the lines of the topics that Shadow talks about on his show. Uh, the first one is called Controlagarchs. Uh, this is a book that uh, describes uh, exposing the billionaire class, their secret deals, and the globalist plot to dominate your life. Uh, this book, uh, it just, it's described, imagine a world in which you own nothing, rent everything. Most of the protein in your diet comes from bugs. You're not allowed to have more than one child, and your financial and medical data are instantly transferred to a centralized government database via a subdermal microchip. So this, this book actually goes into detail about the, the Bill Gateses and the Mark Zuckerbergs and the Jeff Bezos and the Soros family and the World Economic Forum. It describes in detail that how this is their plan and how they're bringing it into effect in, in ways that perhaps you don't realize because you're not looking at clearly. The second book is along the same lines. It's from uh, a well-known podcaster, Glenn Beck, in the United States. He's also written a series of books. This one is called um, The Great Reset, Joe Biden and the Rise of 21st Century Fascism. This book is along the same lines, describing an international conspiracy between powerful bankers, business leaders, and government officials, closed-door meetings in the Swiss Alps, and calls for a radical transformation of every society on Earth. The Great Reset sounds like it is one henchman with an eye patch away from being the plot for the next James Bond movie. So this book talks about and reveals uh, some of these things that are happening uh, in our world, in our society, in media, in politics, in religion, in culture, really in art, everywhere we look. Uh, and it's all being steered from a small group of people who have an anti-human, transhuman agenda that's uh, designed to destroy everything that those of us who love freedom and who love prosperity and human flourishing uh, hold dear and cherish. So Shadow, over to you. Do you have a book or two that you could recommend to our viewers and listeners? I have two. Uh, the first one is called Fisman's Fraud, The Rise of oh, Canadian yes. Hate Science. We're gonna I be, had the we're gonna be interviewing this lady. Yes, yeah, yeah. Uh, Regina Watil, she is fantastic. Mm -hmm. uh, she is a scientist, a science, sorry, a doctor of statistics. She breaks down uh, how Canadians were fraudulently sold a bill of goods by mm their provincial and federal governments and how the statistics were fudged. In other words, you know, I recall a few summers ago on Twitter, somebody asking the Toronto health authority, uh, if a guy gets killed in a car accident, tests positive for COVID, do you list it as a COVID death? They responded. Yes, we do. That would be listed oh. as a COVID death. So all of these statistics, uh, Regina has, put together and and this is a number one seller on the amazon.ca list here in canada fisman's fraud it's mm -hmm. called the other would be the great reset itself the book by right. klaus schwab there are yeah. many people who don't believe still and i always say it's best to hear it right from the horse's mouth if you don't believe what's going on in the world is actually going on in the world right now then maybe you would do well to read about it coming from the man who is at least partially responsible for orchestrating it. It's simply called The Great Reset. It came out 
two months after the World Health Organization declared a global pandemic on March 20th, 2020. Don't tell me that book was written well in advance. That, or that, was, that bit, book was yeah. written. Don't tell me that book was written in two months' no. time. It, no, it it's a little bit like uh, in the 1930s, Sir Winston Churchill was trying to convince Britain about, about what Hitler's plans were. And of course, it was all in a 1923 book that Hitler had written, uh, right. as we all know, called Mein Kampf or Mein Struggle. And, uh, and again, you're right. It, he's got the blueprint right there. It's in another book of his that is sort of, uh, uh, let's say, a sequel to it, it called The Fourth Industrial Revolution. It's all there in black and white for people to read. So, yeah, great selections, Shadow. Thanks so much for that. And uh, thank you so much for being our special guest here today. Uh, it's been just a pleasure talking with you. We much continued success with your show and everything that you do. Uh, and have a happy Christmas with your family and friends. It was well, my friend. Thank you.